KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. Convalescent plasma is one of the investigational treatments being tested on critically ill COVID-19 patients. Convalescent plasma comes from the blood of people who have recovered from COVID-19, so it has antibodies in it. If it works, it could be used to prevent moderately sick people from getting worse as well. It could also be key in fighting a second wave of the virus. Two South Jersey residents who are seriously ill with COVID-19 are now recovering after getting convalescent plasma transfusions. As exciting as that is, the story of how they got the plasma and who gave it to them is pretty remarkable. KYW reporter John McDevitt covered this story for us. John, thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. It's pretty hopeful, pretty remarkable. It is. It is. And it's heartwarming on top of everything. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start out with a young lady who really took the reins on this and got everything moving. Can you tell us about her? Yeah, 31-year-old Marissa Liuzzi. She lives in Downingtown. Uh, she tested positive for COVID-19 on March 17th. So what was your, uh, did you have a mild case or what, was your, what, what did you go through? I guess I was considered a mild case. Um, it didn't feel like a mild case to me. I was... I started to get symptoms mid-March around the 11th and 12th. Um, I was tested on the 13th, and then I came back positive on the 17th. I was very fortunate. didn't have to go to the hospital. I was able to recover from home. Um, so, yeah, I was a mild case, but um, it didn't feel mild at the time. Now, at the same time, her aunt, who lives in South Jersey, also uh, came down with the COVID-19, diagnosed with COVID-19, weren't around one another, but uh, they got it at the same time. And unfortunately, uh, her aunt, uh, Renee Bannister, living in uh, Gloucester County, became critically ill, critical condition. She was on a ventilator for weeks. Marissa heard about this clinical trial that the Mayo Clinic was conducting, brand new, uh, and there wasn't a lot known about it. But she heard about it. Hey, I recovered from COVID-19. There's this study going on. And what do we have to lose? So she tests positive for COVID. She knows she has it. She recovers. How did she... So this is experimental. And they weren't even doing this in New Jersey where her aunt was hospitalized. So what, what did she do? How did she... How did she make this happen? So she went to her uncle and said that she heard about this study going on at the Mayo Clinic uh, with convalescent plasma transfusions. I was fully recovered. I was cleared from the Department of Health that I didn't have to quarantine anymore and and, they, and everything like that. So I reached out to my uncle and I said, don't really know if this holds water, but, you know, bring it up to the doctors. I mean, we don't have much to lose. At this point, you know, see what they say. The uncle went to the aunt's doctors at the Virtua Voorhees Hospital uh, and they looked into it. So the doctors got FDA approval. It was a technicality to uh, help this woman to conduct the uh, transfusion. Marissa went 
to the Red Cross. They, she said it took about two and a half hours uh, in and out of, of the place. And she uh, was able to donate her plasma to her aunt. So she goes to her uncle and then they go to her aunt's doctor. Start us on that part of the journey. Where, who is he? Where is he working? And how did that all play out? Yeah. So Dr. Luke Polakiskowitz uh, and also Dr. Eric Steinman, they are both critical care doctors at Virtual Hospital in Voorhees. Uh, they were the ones overseeing the patients with COVID-19 and conducted the transfusions. The doctor reached out to me. He was honest and he said, look, I, I don't know if we can make this happen. So I'm going to work around the clock, put all my energy into this. And, and boy, he did. Um, he, he's a pulmonary doctor in the ICU at Virtua and he worked day and night. He honestly felt my, made my family and I feel like we were like the only patients in the world. And it, it just was phenomenal to the way that he made us feel despite all the craziness going on, especially in the hospital. So this was though, I mean, this wasn't something they couldn't just go do it. Right. I mean, they had to actually get permission to do this. Because it's so new, the doctors had to get FDA approval. Can you talk about what was involved with you to actually do the donation? So after um, we approached the doctor, he had to do some work on our end because it wasn't necessarily approved just yet as like a treatment. So he worked with American Red Cross to get a, a potential donation set up. And then he they were also working with the Mayo Clinic. So while this was all going on, I went and got tested to see. I didn't know what blood type I was, so they had to do a test to see my blood type to see if I was even a match with her. Turns out I was a match. After I was a match, they went and tested me for COVID-19. That came back negative in about a day. They were able to turn that around. And then that I found out at like 8 o'clock at night that the test came back negative, and they said, don't make plans tomorrow. You're going to do the donation tomorrow. So I said, okay, great. Um, and the next day, the American Red Cross called me and they said, how soon can you come in to do your donation? So Aunt Renee gets this plasma transfusion. And the way the doctors described it is usually you only get two units of plasma per donor, but they managed to get three units from Marissa. So her aunt gets two, right? But then this other guy gets gets one of them. Yeah, 61-year-old Andy Fee of Burlington County, uh, he was able to get the convalescent transfusion on April 5th, taking off the ventilator nine days later. And this is because Marissa's plasma was able to do this. And uh, Marissa's very, uh, very uh, happy. And basically, she said she was pinching herself because she couldn't believe that she essentially saved two people's lives. And not only did you help Aunt Renee, but I understand that your same donation helped a non-related person. So that was actually news to me recently because we were under we were under the impression that all my plasma went to my aunt. I we didn't realize that there was extra. Um, so we just recently found that out about it, and everyone thought I already knew, but I didn't. That's just an amazing feeling to me. Dr. Eric Steinman just basically said that they were didn't have any other options, and uh, they needed to try something, or they would have lost. Yeah. Both of them, both patients. Yeah. I mean, he just, um, you can hear the emotion in his voice. And we do have some, we, we have some cuts that we want to play of these doctors. Because when you hear Dr. Steinman talk about this, 
you can get a sense of really how close to death both of these patients were, and they were completely out of options. Well, let's put it this way. Maybe if we can listen, we we didn't have any other options. Yeah, that's and true. We we did not feel that either one of our patients were going to survive this. And when we first looked at this, and we looked at the Ebola data, that wasn't so good. We realized that we had nothing to lose at this point. The families understood we were at the end of the rope, and we did everything we possibly could and looked for unturned every rock, and this was the next step. And it worked. They both went home. The the other thing, though, that, John, that the doctor, particularly Dr. Luke was a little more circumspect about this. He was a little more cautious in kind of jumping in and saying that the plasma was it. He said it could be a combination of other treatment protocols that were also going on. Because this is, I mean, the jury's still out on this, right? This is not a surefire thing. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Luke uh, and Dr. Simon were both basically saying the same thing. Uh, Dr. Luke uh, telling me that basically while this convalescent plasma has helped these two patients, it's really, it's not guaranteed to help all people. And uh, reiterating that more studies are needed, Uh, they need more data. Um, So they're hopeful, certainly hopeful, but uh, again, more data-driven information is needed to say that this is a way to cure people critically, uh, people with extreme cases of, of, of COVID-19. Uh, they're not ready to say that yet. And uh, this national study, this Mayo Clinic clinical trials, it, it, it's just begun. You know, we're, we're, both, we're both scientists. And I think at this point, if, there's, if, if this works and we can look at this study down the road and say, yeah, it's safe to do as we've, we've seen in an anecdotal couple of patients that we've seen, mm-hmm. and there is significant benefit, it's another opportunity, and the world needs some hope now. So the other part of this, though, that is pretty exciting, is that these are not going to be the only two patients now who get the plasma transfusions, right, in New Jersey? Yeah. I, I, it wasn't on the surface right away. I had to ask a few questions but apparently uh, they are going, they have some uh, extreme cases of COVID-19 people that are in critical uh, condition. And they, as they get this plasma, because the Red Cross didn't have a, a supply of, of, of plasma. So, you know, they're, they're basically when people get COVID-19, you know, they're asking if, if, if they can donate plasma, uh, those that recovered from COVID-19, that is. And uh so this is, again, very new, and uh, they're going to try it on other patients at the hospital that's going on right now and uh, continue uh, for some time to come. But that's all wrapped up in the testing, right? Because, first of all, you have to have recovered from it. So you have to have been tested for it, and then they have to test your blood for the antibodies, correct? And then when you go to give the plasma, they have to they, they retest you to make sure... I guess that you don't have an active infection. Do I have that right? That, that's correct. And Marissa was telling me that when I asked her a, a few questions uh, about that. And she said that, you know, it, it, the procedure was relatively painless. She said the hardest part was when they stuck the needle in her, kind of like an intravenous uh, needle. And uh, that was the hardest part. She said, she said she was in and out in two and a half hours, basically was treated like gold. Uh, she said when she walked around, hospital and uh, went to various room to room 
uh, people knew who she was and uh, helped her uh, because she she is the first to help a patient in this study. Uh, and so that was something that she was proud of. And she wants to help more people. She was going to she wants to help more people at that hospital and other places. And she's going to go meet again. She could save more people. I mean, that's really remarkable. And hopefully if we get, you know, if if states and communities are able to get more testing and find more people who have had it, more people to donate, this could be huge in the fight against COVID. Because if you look at what the Mayo Clinic is saying about this, this could be crucial if there's a round two, which we've been warned now there may be a round two of COVID-19 during next winter. Yeah, and and that is something that is alarming, and also that they're they're trying to prepare for, but again, it being so new, COVID nineteen and this therapy, this transfusion process, they're going to have to, you know, obviously do more of it and study study each individual, include the donors and and the recipients and and the recipients' outcomes, but uh, they're trying to get the plasma and have a reserve. Red Cross is, is uh, that's who, who uh, uh, does the uh, extraction of the blood. They're overseeing this part of the study. And, you know, there is no reserve of this plasma. So they're going to need to build that up uh, if this gets worse or round two comes. Do they give you the doctors give you any idea how quickly these two patients recovered after getting the transfusion? It was starting to show signs in three or four days of, of recovery. Wow. Um, taken off the ventilator shortly after that. I think within a week for sure. And uh, yeah, it was just remarkable. It was like, you know, Marissa was uh, wearing a cape and, and giving, <laughs> uh, giving her plasma to help uh, those suffering from COVID-19. Well, you, in fact, you asked her what it felt like helping her Anne, and we have, a, a, we have her telling you what that is like. I was kind of being rushed around virtual hospital with some doctors and nurses and Everywhere I went in the hospital, they knew who I was and why I was there. So I kind of, that's when it kind of hit me of like, okay, this is really happening. I I think it's still hard for me to understand that, like, I basically saved her life. Um, I, I'm still kind of coming to terms with it. As, as weird as that sounds, it's, it's like I have to keep pinching myself. So, John, so basically what's next here is that they are giving more transfusions actually now. I mean, they're not waiting, right? They're doing it now, and then the Mayo Clinic will be overseeing this, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll have some results of this study soon. That's right, and that's just being done at Virtua Voorhees. This is a national study, so it's being done all over the country. So this is just one aspect. Um, they did, you know, when this first happened, they had to get FDA approval. They were one of the first. They were the first. Certainly in New Jersey, uh, the, the two patients that recovered uh, were taken off the ventilator. Uh, they were the first two in New Jersey and the, among the first, very first in this study. Um, and so there are people still in the ICU who received the treatments um, and they're just you know, waiting to see the outcome uh, again in this national study. So South Jersey Virtual Hospital, just one of the hospitals performing these transfusions. Yeah. And there's a long road to recovery. She mentioned her aunt is in physical therapy right now because she lost yeah, her voice. Yeah, I think that's what a lot know? of people don't realize. Yeah. I, I think that, that there is a, uh, there's an after the ICU unit, after your discharge, you have to go through physical therapy. Um, 
you know, because, I mean, this woman, the one woman, um, Aunt Renee, she was on a ventilator for three weeks. So, you know, you have, you have a tube in you. I mean, you need to learn how to speak. And, and really, I mean, this she was dying. This was an aggressive disease. Um, so she, this recovery process, I don't think people understand that there is, there is a long process uh, when somebody is severely ill with COVID-19. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon. 